Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Of course, we're in the studio live and in person, last live show of this year. So That's right. If you do have a question you'd like to answer, right now is the perfect time to call in. If you wait till next week, you'll have a nice little pre-recorded show that we put together for you, <laughs> but uh, not too many questions to get answered that way. That's it. So go ahead and give us a call. It's 499-9526. And you put a 225 in front of that number. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States. And if you add a few more numbers to that, you can reach us from anywhere in the world. That's absolutely right. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We always enjoy hearing from folks in the Baton Rouge area or beyond. Sure. And if you don't happen to make today's show the last live show of the year, you can always go to the website. That's right. Get your questions answered that way. That's absolutely right. You can always send me an email, and I'll get an answer right straight back to you. And if you don't get an answer from me right away, check the return address. Make sure you type that in correctly. And also check your spam folder because sometimes, Internet being what it is, some of the services that we have that do mail may see something as spam even though it's and something you requested. Right, and throw it out. Yeah, it'll stick in the folder and you won't know to say. You won't know you received it. We had some trouble with Cox actually blocking some of our email, and I think I've got that resolved with Good. them. And the same thing with AT&T was blocking some of our email. I guess when they see someone sending out an inordinately large amount of email, they're suspicious of it. Right. And so that's, uh, at least that's what they said. So anyway, <laughs> I got that cleared up, I think. So you should be getting your email answer right back from us. If you don't, just send it back again, and we'll get it back to you straight away. There you go. And the address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. You just click on that and fill out the little form and send it in. That's right. And I'll get it, and I'll get an answer right on back to you. Got a bunch of other things you can do on that site as well. There's some calculators where you can look and see how much fuel mileage difference will make on a car. Let's say you're considering buying a new car to save a little fuel. That will actually tell you how much you're going to save with the difference you put in what you're currently achieving. In other words, if you're getting 16 miles a gallon now, you're going to a car getting 30 miles a gallon. You can put in the mileage. You can put in the cost of fuel and so on. And it'll tell you exactly how much money you're actually going to save. Those are some great little calculators. Yeah, they work real well. And a lot of times it's kind of surprising to folks because when you go from a low number, let's say 10 miles to the gallon up to, say, 20, there's a pretty significant savings, and it saves a lot of money. But when you go from 20 to 30, it's very little savings, surprisingly little. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Yeah, going from 30 to 50 is almost no savings at all, and that's one reason we have never had cars that got 50 miles a gallon because the savings is so small relative to the cost and the maintenance of the technology it takes to achieve that. Right. It just kind of gets upside down on you, but interesting little thing. Nothing go to the detailed topic section. Lots of good, good information. Put one in for the last two weeks, and last week it was on air suspension. Okay. Uh, particularly on the Ford products, but a lot of it actually equates to any air suspension. And last week was on the electrical side of the system, how it operates, how it functions, how it controls the air. There. This week is on the pneumatic side of the system, and there's the actual air the bags and the solenoids and all that sort of thing. It really is a pretty neat system, the way it's set up. It really is. It a, takes a little more maintenance, but you mm-hmm. get a lot better ride out of it. Well, it's a wonderful system, the way they engineered it, and it takes a lot of things into account. It takes a steering turn. and If you turn the wheel faster, it's going to tighten up your springs for you. When you load the car, unload the car, it knows that. It keeps the car level height, which drastically increases your drastically Lack of, decreases your right. tire wear. Decrease the fact that you were wearing tires. Because when the back end of the car squats down, say you put four adults in a car with two hundred pounds luggage. of luggage. Right. Yeah, that car is going to sag down if it's got springs on it, and that's gonna change the ride height, which is gonna change the alignment. So you can start picking up tire wear and so on, whereas with the air suspension it can just adapt to that, it just picks right back up again. Sure, it knows where it it knows its height, so 
if you load it down, it just puts a little more air in the springs and brings the height back to where it was originally. That's at. right. And when it's a single driver, unloaded, maybe with a half a tank or less of gas, of course, the weight is a great deal less. Well, mm -hmm. now it can soften up and give you a really excellent ride. Sure. You figured gasoline is about eight pounds per gallon. Yeah, roughly. I think I looked it up. It's around six, something like is that. It? But still, okay. you put... You know, 20 gallons of gasoline in that car, that's a right. fairly heavy amount of weight that you're adding to the car. And some of those cars take way more than that, maybe 25, 28 gallons on some cars. So that's a significant difference in the height of the vehicle. Right. And so on. The only way they can actually achieve that is a number of ways they can suspend the vehicle. They use coil springs, leaf springs, torsion bars, and each one has an advantage. Sure. And or each and one has a disadvantage. The same with air suspension. The only drawback, I guess, if there's a drawback, is that at some point, normally around 10 years out, those bags are going to probably dry rot, and you're going to need to replace them. But it's not the end of the world. I mean, they're a couple hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, maybe $300 a piece times two. Very little labor, about an hour's labor to do both of them. And you put those on, you're good for another 10 years. And that's referring to a rear, rear air suspension. suspension. Now, yeah. some of your vehicles, like your Mark 8s, I right. think, had a four-wheel yeah, bags now on that's them. a bit more expensive that's to maintain. Much more. And to me, that's kind of overkill. Yeah, kind of an overkill of the same technology. I think they hit it out of the park with, with the rear. rear wheel airbags, and they kind of overloaded the system or more over engineered the system when they went to the four. It just got way, way, way more complex and way more expensive to maintain and just almost no additional benefit. Right. Because you think about it, the weight of the car, the engine sitting in the front, so it's already pretty heavily sprung, and the weight of the car is going to affect the rear way more because the trunk and the fuel tank and the passengers are going to be towards the rear of the car. Sure. So that's where the varying weight comes in. So, you know, just my opinion, I think Ford really did a good job on the rear wheel, uh -huh. rear airbag systems, but the four wheel, eh, just a bit, too a bit much. overkill. Yeah. And they're very, very difficult to diagnose, very difficult to maintain, very expensive to maintain. I was going to say, very expensive to maintain mm -hmm. because the front is not just an airbag; it's actually incorporated into the strut assembly. That's correct. And the whole thing has to come out. You have to tear it all apart. You can actually change just the bag on the strut assembly, mm -hmm. but by the time the bag goes bad, the strut's usually bad too. Right. So, right. therefore, you end up changing both pieces, and it gets expensive pretty quick. Well, and you're into multiple sensors to sense all four corners of the car. You're into a bigger air pump that works harder because it has to inflate four bags instead of two. Right. And this, that, and the other, a bigger processor for the computer because now it has to compute more factors and so on and so forth. So it just gets more expensive, like most technology. Sure. The thing with all technologies, if you use it and it pleases you and it does something for you, that's great, but there is a cost of fixed. Sure. And you just got to kind of know that going in. And if it's worth it to you, then that's great. And if it's not, well, yeah, something you got to kind of. Then you kind of stuck with it when you got it, you know, by the time it goes out. That's right. But if you want to know everything about air suspension, just pop on there and it'll fill you in. It's www.agcoauto.com. We sure appreciate you popping around on there. There's also the questions mm -hmm. section, which yeah. is kind of a straight to the point answer to a, a particular question. Yeah, a topic. very simple question like, what does the W in 5W30 mean? Uh huh. Well, yeah, you go on the vehicle questions and it's going to ask you a straight to the point answer. But if you want to understand how viscosity of oil works, then you go over detailed topics. Sure. And there's an article in there will tell you what viscosity is, how it works, how it relates to the functioning of the engine, and so on and so forth. Right. There's a section in there with a few fun games and things you can there go are. in there and mess around with. That's right. Got our world-famous ballpark quote quiz. And I love that thing. That's great. That, that is a great and one. If you want a ballpark quote on something, just go to that and pop it in. It'll give you a figure as probably as accurate as you're going to get anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing is we make fun of it. There you go. <laughs> Everybody else takes it serious. Yeah, we have fun with it. That's right. www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. I got a lot of feedback this week. Last week, we were talking just a little bit about the oil consumption issues on uh -huh. some of the Newer vehicles? later model vehicles. 
and got a good bit of feedback this week. People called and saying, yeah, my car, my truck does that, and da-da-da-da. And I don't think it's any secret that the newer GM products, uh, particularly the ones with the active fuel management on them, which is a variable displacement, tend Correct. to use a lot of oil. And it seems like GM is finally starting to maybe take that a little bit more serious. At first, they'd tell you, oh, yeah, you know, it's, that's normal. And then, well, now they've actually come out with a bulletin, actually came out in February, where they're saying that if it burns one quart of oil in two to 3,000 miles, they will address it now. No kidding. Yeah, and the revised valve cover for the left side, which has been out for a while, there uh-huh. is a shield that goes on the active fuel management valve in the pan. But beyond that, and I thought it was much, much more important, they're claiming that the rings are sticking in those engines. They even allude to the fact that they're at the upper end of specification, which means they're probably all over the board. Exactly. <laughs> but they will go in and try to clean the rings if possible, sort of a chemical flush of the engine. Uh-huh. And if that doesn't work, they will replace the pistons and rings as long as the vehicle's still in the warranty, which I think a lot of those are five-year, 100,000 miles. So okay. if you got less than five years or 100,000 miles, you may be able to get pistons and rings and get your oil consumption problem solved. Now, right. if you're out of warranty, then that bulletin strictly is informational only. Correct. Uh, they're not going to do anything for you, but they'll say, hey, here's what you can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah, go ahead and rebuild yeah, it. We, we got a problem, but uh, this is it. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I tell you. Researching, because I'm writing an article on the topic that's going to kind of recap this. I think it's coming out maybe next week or week after. And when I started typing in oil consumption and looking on the Internet, we're kind of picking on Chevrolet here just because of the bulletin and all, but it's not just Chevrolet. It's no, all it's of, not. Man, it's... They, they had people in there with Subarus and you name it. Across the board, most of the newer cars seem to have some issues with consuming oil. And what the manufacturer's saying, well, you know, if you're aggressively driving and blah, 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 well. Well, you know. I don't think people are driving any more aggressive than they ever did. Exactly. You know, maybe, exactly. maybe to an extent. I got a 40-year-old engine in the house, don't burn a drop oil. Well, yeah, I had a 55 Chevrolet. I used to run the snot out of it. Yeah. <laughs> never burned any oil. Never burned any oil. <laughs> but no yeah, figure, huh? I guess they're more still in the uh, denial phase or whatever. Well, they're, but... they're in the public test phase. Yeah. Use the public as a test board. I guess so. I guess so. I know people (laughs) complain and and start raising cane. Yeah, then we'll do something. Well, that'll quit buying cars. I don't know. Well, we tried that already. It didn't work. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I guess we'll leave that at that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There you go. Hey, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would certainly love to have you. Why don't you go and give us a call? Glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more of the Automotive Hour. West. Mike. How are you and things at the dealership's maintenance department? Dave, things are great. You guys still running that low-priced $24.99 oil change at your place? Oh, yeah. Folks come in and we just happen to find a ton of other stuff wrong with their car. (laughs) Works, don't it? Sometimes when it's a woman, I make something up like, your flux capacitor has a leak. Yeah, or your strepanoid filter head needs to be replaced. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. I gotta write that down. Agco Automotive wants to let you know how to stick it to the low-price oil chain shops. Go get the oil change and then take your vehicle and their list of recommended repairs to Agco for an honest opinion of what, if anything, needs to be fixed. And we'll fix only that. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hatred and Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call at 499-9526, and we'll be glad to try to help you out. 
That's it. That's Here's, the best we can. That's it. Last live show of the year. So that's right. You want a question answered today? Today is the day. Today is the last day because if you call next week, you're it's just going to get a. Recording to saying, "Hey, they're not live. <laughs> it's Memorex. <laughs> it sounds live, but it's not." There you go. Yeah, they do a real good job. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> guys. Yeah, last week you said something. No, I didn't say anything last week. I wasn't here. <laughs> well, I heard you. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that don't mean I wasn't here. Yeah, put together a real nice little Christmas program, kind of a Christmas special. Uh huh. Got several calls that over the years have made good points. We put those together, a little bit of talking in between, and okay, a few little surprises as well. Cool. I think people will really like it. Hey, let's go to our phone lines with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Good sir, morning. I was thinking about buying a, maybe a, a new Tacoma. Yes, sir. With a four-wheel drive standard, and I don't toss up between standard and automatic. Okay. And one of the pros and the cons. I know the the new transmission has got so many gears in them, are very costly to yes, rebuild or whatever. Yes, I was mm-hmm. just wondering y'all's thoughts on the one against the other. i got to tell you, Herb, on a Toyota I would have to say there's hardly any difference at all because we just don't really see much problem with Toyota transmissions at all, and they really hadn't gone quite as ridiculous as some of the others. Most of the Toyotas still have four or five speeds in them, which are fairly common technology. And i got to say their transmission is so durable that I really don't see a lot of trouble. Now, you do have to service them from time to time, but then again, with a standard, eventually you got to change the clutch, so I guess it's about a wash. Yeah. I can tell you two things. An automatic today will probably get better gas mileage than you'll be able to achieve with a standard unless you're a professional driver. It's very hard to beat the programming they've got in them, and it's a variable program. They can vary for speed or for economy. It's almost problem-free, and one big advantage, and this may not be a factor to you, but if you ever get ready to sell the vehicle, mm-hmm. a vehicle with an automatic is much, much more resale than one with a standard, simply because so few people today can drive a standard. Okay. So just kind of something to think about. But either one, I wouldn't have really a problem with. I mean, if you like a standard transmission, me personally, I don't even notice a difference. I go from one to the other, and I just automatically shift. I don't even think about doing it. You learned on a stick. I did. That, that's, Daddy threw you out there and said, hey, well, if you want it, you got to learn I, how to I was, drive it. I was probably 40 years old before I had a car with automatic. You know? I know it. But, yeah, the new automatics are so durable, particularly the Toyota products. Now, if you were talking about another, like a domestic car or something, I might push you towards the standard just because – the, some of those are not quite as durable on their automatics, but I would feel real comfortable with the Toyota automatics. Okay. All right. All right. I appreciate the answer. Hey, Herb. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> I never will. <laughs> Go back to the phone lines with Donnie. Good morning, Donnie. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. I have a 94 Pro GT. Okay. And I don't have many miles on it, being that it's a 94. Yes, sir. It's, it's about less than 50,000 miles. Wow. Real low. <laughs> and that's because I, you know, I didn't ride it much. But anyway... I'm experiencing a problem with oil getting on my plugs and the plug wires. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering, is that something that takes a while to do? Uh, is it something that y'all do yes, in a day's sir. time? Or? Normally a day in and out. Most of the time, Donnie, that's going to be the valve cover gaskets are probably leaking, and it's probably leaking into the tube seals, oh. and that's what gets the oil on there. It's a big-ish job. The Pro GT should be a 2.5-liter double overhead cam, and you're going to have to pull the intake manifold to get the valve covers off. Now, if it happens to be a four-cylinder, those are a little bit easier, but most likely you're going to have the V6. So it's kind of a big-ish job, but it's generally an in-and-out, one-day type thing, and that's just kind of a matter of time, not so much the miles. It's just the years are getting to you. Those gaskets and all are starting to get hard, which they will in time, and then they start drying up unless okay. we start getting these kinds of leaks. Okay, because it's not getting on all of them. It's getting on probably maybe four of the six. Yes, sir. Right. Well, it just depends on where the oil decides to come out. And what happens a lot of times, Donnie, you might check. There's a part called a PCV valve, 
positive mm-hmm. crankcase ventilation valve. It's a fairly inexpensive part. On some engines, it's kind of hard to change, but on that one, it may not be. But you got to check that. It may be gummed up a little bit, and when it does, it starts building up a little pressure in the engine. And when it starts to build pressure, it's going to find a way out. And, of course, the first leak that develops, that more or less relieves the pressure, so it's going to push out right there, and it may not get through any others. Now, you fix that one, it may pop out somewhere else. So generally, anytime we fix an oil leak, we're going to change the PCV valve. It's just part of the job. We automatically do that, and that kind of eliminates that. But that's one reason why older engines will start to leak oil a lot of times. Any idea what kind of cost is involved Yeah, in I just have to see it and see what it is. It can be fairly significant. I mean, it's not going to be thousands, but it's going to be several hundred, I imagine. Okay. All right. And that's probably a day's time. Yes, yeah, so normally in and out in a day, unless there's some Hold up on parts part or, that we yeah. can't get. you got to remember that car is getting a little old now, and the parts aren't quite as readily available, but they're generally always available overnight. So, you know, in and out in a day, day and a half at most. Okay. All righty. All right. I appreciate it. Okay, darling. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, 499-9526, a number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. And we've got Ernie online. Good morning, Ernie. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Need some advice. Sure. We bought a used Toyota at the beginning of this year. Okay. And it was a dealer item that needed to go back to the dealer to get a little dimmer switch on the dashboard that was missing when we purchased the car. Okay. In that process, they check the car and they look at it and say, oh, you got some fluid leak around your power steering area. Yeah. So they suggested, and they found, I think the boots were probably expanded. So they suggested, well, we change the whole thing out. So they changed the rack and pinion out. We began recently to hear just the straining a little bit as you turn. So this morning as I'm changing the oil, I see the fluid dripping around, at least moistening and underneath it, and then there's the reservoir has no power steering fluid. So mm-hmm. I had power steering fluid. Advice that I need is should I bring it to you for diagnostic or should I go back to the purse to the dealer that actually changes thing out to say, look, I'm assuming a rack and pinion or something in that system is I think the answer has to depend on if you trust them to tell you the truth or not. The only thing that bothers me just a little bit is if you went in with the car with no problems, no symptoms, and they have something totally different done, they give you a list of stuff that you need doing, that's kind of a little red flag. doesn't mean it's not in line. It may have found a rack and pinion that was leaking, and that's fine. But a lot of times that's one of those things that gets sold a whole lot that maybe he did or did not need doing. So if you want to get a second opinion on it, that would be in order. But to get warranty on it, on the repair that's been done, you have to take it back to them. Well, you know what really bothers me is when you bought the vehicle, they should have checked it and told you that when you bought it. Yeah, why didn't they tell you before they sold it to you that the rack was leaking? But fact is, they supposedly went in, changed the rack and pinion, and and here you are just a couple of months later, and you got a leak bad enough to empty the pump out. Apparently, that's a pretty significant leak. I don't think that happened overnight. So it could be that it's just another leak that's occurred that is possible, but it could also be that was the original leak and it was running down on the rack and it got misdiagnosed, in which case you may or may not need it to rack. So I'm just a little concerned about the whole story. Toyota has had some issues with the hoses leaking. The pumps are not so bad about leaking. Occasionally they leak, and the racks really don't leak that much, but occasionally they do. Now, Toyota had that rack boot that yeah, would always brought out right. um, from whatever caused it, but it was always on a Toyota, always on a passenger side. Yeah, and we just go ahead and change the boot, right. which is a, about a $100 deal. You right, know? if the rack wasn't leaking, then you just change the boot, but they like to sell the whole rack. Right, so I don't know, Ernie, I, I would probably go and get a second opinion on that, and if it involves the work they've already done, then I would go back to them and say, hey, look, guys, right. you know, I had this work done, and now I think I still got a problem and so on, because that's the only way you'll be able to get warranty on anything. Right. If it's a whole other problem, then you might want to go back again and say, hey, why did you replace the rack and not tell me I had these other leaks? Because I feel it's only been a few months, and now, and who knows, maybe it is just a coincidence, 
and just something else totally different started leaking. So I don't want to start accusing people without knowing. But it just the story kind of just hits a card with me because I hear and see that so much. Right, and and we use your service, and we have confidence in your diagnostic ability. Mm-hmm. So I did, you know, I understand that we'll call, get your shop set up, so we can do that. And if you find that it's the same thing that was done, then I can call them. Okay. That's correct. That answer, that's that the answer, way I would answer. handle it. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. That answer my question. Thank you. Okay. Have a Merry Christmas. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I we'd certainly love to have you. That's one of those things that when you go in for one service and they give you a long list of other things that you need, it doesn't mean automatically that they're trying to sell you something. It could right. be they just could did a thorough inspection. You do need all these things, and and they're doing you a favor. But if you had no symptoms, you're you're not losing fluid, you don't see a spot on the ground, and they're hitting you with a twelve fourteen hundred dollar repair, it just doesn't hurt to go and get a second opinion somewhere. And now if this is someone you've used for years and years and years and you have total trust in them, well, hey, great, that's fine. Because yeah, you know by all gonna, means. Yeah, they're going to tell you straight. They're not going to – they have no reason to risk uh, blowing a relationship with you of years to try to sell you one thing. Most quality shops, unlike we're so busy all the time, we don't have time to do the work that we got to do, much less try to sell stuff to other people. Exactly. But if you go in for something particularly like an oil change or something like that or a warranty job or a little small job and they give you a list of – Two thousand, three thousand dollars stuff. It just, unless you really know the shop and you've been there a number of times, it doesn't hurt to go ahead and get a second opinion somewhere else. Sure, that just throws up a flag for me. Yeah, it does me as well. And like I said, it, it may be totally legit, but it just doesn't hurt to check it out. Hey, we're gonna take one more quick little break. Brent, hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Good morning. And welcome back to Automotive Maintenance School, fellas. Good morning. Yesterday, we left off talking about how to upsell your customers with the sneaky $24.99 oil change. Yeah, they come in for the special and bam, we hit them with other problems we just happened to find while doing the oil change. <laughs> yeah, and then you tell them, it's a good thing you came in for our oil change special. Yeah, you may never have known you needed all this work. Yeah, sound like you fellas did your homework. I just hope none of your customers did. (laughs) Agco Automotive has this to say about low-price oil changes. Take advantage of them. And if you get a list of recommended repairs, bring your vehicle to us for an honest opinion of what, if anything, needs to be fixed. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, if you're tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have, why don't you go ahead and give us a call? This is our last live show of the year, so if you got a question, this is the time to get it in. we got plenty of time. We'll get you an answer. And we're going to the phone lines with Brent. Good morning, Brent. Yeah, good morning. Uh, I enjoy your show, and I'm a first-time caller. Oh, I just thank have you. a couple couple questions I'd like to get your opinion you on. I've had Tahoes. I have one now, mm-hmm. and I've always put Mobile One synthetic oil Okay. Mm-hmm. And I've heard different people that I know that think they know a lot about cars. How many road miles do you think you should get on synthetic oil before changing? Brent, I'm going to give you an answer that's kind of drawn out, but it's the only real answer. Using miles alone is just not an adequate way to judge oil changes. Simply because it depends on how the miles are put on. What I mean by that is if your average trip is short, let's say you get in the car and you go to the grocery store, which is about three miles from your house, and you turn it off and it sits, then you go back home and it sits 
for a while, then you get in and you go to work and it's five miles and you turn it off and it sits there all day. You go to lunch, it's a couple of miles. If that's the way you drive, which is the way a lot of people drive, stop and go and so on, that is absolute hardest way to run an engine. That is actually classified as severe That is severe service. service. But most yeah. people consider that normal service. Now, let's say you work in Geismer and you live in Baton Rouge. You get in your car and you go 40 miles one way and then you come home 40 miles. That is considered ideal service. Now, uh-huh. under ideal service like that, you could push it out five, six, seven thousand miles and really not have a problem. Under severe service, you better to stay with three thousand mile oil changes, even, even with synthetic. synthetic yes, right. sir. That, that is a total misnomer. If you're okay. looking to save money, don't use synthetic oil. You're not going to save money. Synthetic oil gets dirtier than regular oil because of better detergent. It has more dispersion, uh-huh. has more detergent in it, so it's going to get dirty faster than regular oil does. Uh-huh. And the thing is, once it starts to absorb all the glycol that leaks from the coolant and the moisture that gets into it is holding it in suspension those are liquid contaminants they go right through the filter they Uh start to form sludge they start to form acids they start to attack the inside of the engine the only way to get those out is with a drain and fill now what happens is that when you're driving long distances the oil temperature goes up to close to 275 degrees at that temperature the moisture boils it turns to steam it rises up and the pc system sucks it out and it's gone so the okay. oil can clean itself under those conditions. But with those short trips, that never occurs. Yeah, okay. So if you want to save money, use regular oil and change it 3,000. If you want better protection, go with the synthetic oil. But synthetic oil, it comes out of the marketing department, not the engineering department. It's not going to go longer. It's going to give you better protection. If you happen to miss a change now and then, you got more protection. But it's really not a reason to extend the oil changes. Now, again, it just depends on the way you drive. If you're taking mostly long trips, then, yeah, you can go longer. But on the short trips, like most people, you're way, way better off. I can tell you, you will never, ever save enough money on an oil change to make up for one rear main seal job or a set of rings that are stuck or any of the other problems that come from the extended oil changes. Well, you know, I had the older Tahoe. I had an 03. Mm -hmm. I put 218,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. And it only burnt one quart of oil the last 60 days I had it, and that was six years. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, those were a whole lot tighter engines, in my opinion. I've got a 02 model Chevy pickup with a 4.3, and right. I change every 3,000 miles, and I always check it, and it is never below the full mark. So it uses virtually no oil at all. Yeah. So I don't know why the new ones have to use a quart or two of oil every 1,000 miles, but that's just what they seem to well, be doing. Well, I, I have an 08 now, and it hasn't burned any oil either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably don't have the active fuel management with it. Okay, i got one other question mm-hmm. now. What's your take on the best oil filters? Best oil filter is going to be the one supplied by the manufacturer of the car. In other words, the Delco, AC Delco for your GM product, Toyota uh-huh. for Toyota, Honda for Honda. And I'm not going to say that is the absolute best filter in the world but it's always a good filter it is consistently a good filter it was also engineered for that engine that's correct what happens very often is that when you start going to some of the aftermarket filters Uh sometimes they have different manufacturers that make those and they're notorious for having one manufacturer for a while and it's a pretty good filter and all of a sudden they'll switch over to another one Uh there's one particular filter that's very very proper and we cannot name names on the air yeah. A lot of people still buy them, but from what I can see, they're just nowhere close to the filter they used to be. If you go on my website and go to the search bar and type in the word filter, uh-huh. it's going to bring up an article. It'll show one cut open compared to a OEM filter. But that okay. kind of stuff happens a lot. So if you buy in the OEM filter, at least you know you got a good filter. 
consistently. Yeah, does Delco make different qualities of uh, oil filters? That is sort of a up-in-the-air type question. Basically, it, it says the word professional after it. That's a different line from the OEM line. Uh-huh. And I know they do have different lines of everything else, like water pumps and alternators and starters. On filters, I've heard both ways. We try to get the ones that say OEM and have the original equipment number on it. You can go back to the dealer and buy them. They're not that expensive. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do. We buy them from GM and put them on folks' cars. But I think there's an E after, like, truck probably take a PF48. I think there's also a PF48E, and I can't get a clear explanation of what that E means. I've heard different things. I've heard different things as well, but I know on their regular parts lines, like water pumps and all that, they've got, if it says professional after the AC Delco and it doesn't say OEM, it's not an OEM part. It's a knockoff, and they are not nearly as good as the original equipment stuff. Okay, well, I appreciate the information. All righty. Uh, enjoy the show. You'll be back, I guess, after the first of the year. Yes, yes sir, we will. We'll have a recorded show next week, which is going to be really interesting, and we'll be back after that. Okay, thanks All a lot. All right, Brent. Thanks, man. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, right 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we would love to have you. And we've got Chuck on the line. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. I'm glad I could get a hold of you. This is just a follow-up to the oil discussion. Yes, sir. I have a 2013 Honda Accord. Okay. And it has the computer readings in it. Yes, and it has sir. the oil light. Right, right now it's going 60%. I use synthetic oil in mm-hmm. it. How dependable is that computer, and should I go buy it? I don't really go buy them, Chuck, because to me they just way, way, way long. I know I've got customers who have a lot of those type vehicles that operate under a number of different conditions. And we kind of monitor their cars based on the conditions they drive under. And some of them will come in that drive all in town, stop and go traffic. And we'll change all and not reset the reminder and look at it. And, I mean, they're on about the third all change before it finally comes up and tells them to change it. You know, they push out almost 10,000 miles in that change, which to me is just doesn't make sense. Now, under some conditions, if your average trip is pretty long, you're driving a lot at one time, then you can actually go a lot longer. You can go five, 6,000 miles pretty easily on all. But to me, all is just so cheap compared to the things that it causes that it's just kind of a sucker deal. You know, I'm not going to push mine out and tear up a rear main seal or tear up a front seal or take out a set of pistons or the lifters bearings. or bearings or right. whatever to try to save a couple of bucks on an all change. It's just not a good deal to me. Okay, that's what I needed to know. Thank all you, Louis. All right, Chuck. Merry all right. Christmas to you. Well, thank, thank you. you. Merry Christmas to you, man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. We get that call quite a bit about those all-change reminders. Uh-huh. And I think maybe they are getting a little better than they used to be. It used to be, I think, they only looked at time and miles maybe. Right. And maybe they are considering a few other factors. But it just seems to me they go way, way longer. Oh, I've seen them run out a year. Yeah. On time. And they just can't account for something like an intake leak where you're getting a little glycol into your oil or leaking head gasket, or any of the other things that can really contaminate y'all, even fuel contamination, let's say right. you have a misfire or a sticking injector, they can't account for that. That's right. And now you've got contaminated oil in the engine. You could take the engine out, and it thinks everything's great. Sure. Because it doesn't, it doesn't have a way to analyze that oil. So it. i got to say, if you got to air, you want to air to the good side. If i got to change more a little bit off more often, all I'm going to lose is a few dollars on oil change. Right. Instead uh, of losing well, well, several thousands. thousands. Yeah, a Honda engine install Ooh, is probably man. eight $9,000. Sure. So you ain't ever going to come out ahead on that uh, no. deal. Let's go back to the phone lines with Sammy. Good morning, Sammy. Good morning. morning. I just wondered how much y'all think a person should have to spend if they buy a new vehicle every year. How much, how much should they be able to trade from one year to the next? 
most of what I've seen depends on the vehicle, Sammy, but as a general rule, they're going to lose close to about between 30 and 45% the first year. I got a 2013 crew cab pickup. Mm-hmm. I went to go trade it in. Mm-hmm. I just like it. Mm-hmm. They want $10,000 difference. Yeah, yeah. I so said they're going to lose quite a bit the first year and a little bit less the second year, a little bit less the third year. In the first three years, they generally will lose between 50 and 60% of their value. So what I want to do, Sammy, I'm going to walk in three years and buy that one and then take care of it and push it out 15 years beyond that. That's what I do. But that's not for everybody. But, yeah, if you do the math on it, you're not going to come out no. too well on that trading every year. I mean, they're just so <laughs> overpriced. So many things on the price of a new vehicle that has absolutely nothing to do with the car. You're paying for the health care for the auto workers. You're paying for those 10 million commercials they run all day long, all night long. You're paying for the... 200 cars, they run in the wall to make the government happy. You know, all that's added back to the price for a car. It has nothing to do with your value that you're getting. But that's all added back to the price. So it's all in there. That's why they drop so fast in value. Hey, well, I enjoy your show. Well, thank you. I try to listen to it every Saturday morning. I kind of head over towards the warehouse restaurant every morning for every Saturday morning for breakfast. Well, that's a good deal there. I get, I get a good chance to listen to everything you got to say, and it's all good information. Well, good. I thank appreciate you. it, Sammy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, man. 499-9526 the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. I'm going back to the phone lines with Anthony. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning, sir. i got a funny question. i sure. got a 2002 Volkswagen Passat. Now, I know you all don't work on these crazy right. German cars. <laughs> i got my tires balanced. Uh-huh. I need, it does need us alignment. It leans to the right, but every once in a while I'll be driving, and it, it starts getting a lot of movement in the steering wheel. Like okay. a tire's unbalanced. Like a wobble. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And it gets kind of, it gets pretty bad sometimes. And okay. mm-hmm. my, I feel it in my left tire. It, it's just real peculiar. I know I'm not giving you all a lot of information. Well, yeah, yeah, you are actually. Uh, Anthony, let me ask you this. Have you noticed what tends to bring it on? In other words, is it when you're accelerating or is it when you're hitting a bump or what brings it on? I guess sometimes when I'm accelerating and I mm-hmm. get about 50 or 55, mm-hmm. I don't think it's any ball joints. Right. Um, I know I need a boot on my right axle. Right. What I would do, uh, Anthony, is I would get it up to speed when it's doing it, and then you want to see what's going to affect it. So what you can do is when it's doing it, just let off the accelerator, put it in neutral, and let it coast through that same speed range and see if it's still there. Now, if it's still there, then that means it's nothing in the driveline because you've pretty much unloaded the driveline at that point. If it immediately okay. goes away, I'm suspecting something in the drive line, possibly an inner CV joint will do that. Uh-huh. It can start to come apart. It'll give you a pretty significant vibration, and it'll be when you're accelerating or when you have pressure on the accelerator. It'll pretty okay. much immediately go away when you let off. Now, if that does not affect it at all, see if maybe it's a bump in the road that brings it on. If that's the case, then you're more likely to something loose in the front end, your tie rod or something like that that's not holding the wheel tight enough. Okay. If that does not affect it, then you just have to kind of move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But there's all sorts of things that can cause a vibration. You can go to my website and just search the word vibration. There's a two-piece article that gives you a ton of tests that you can do yourself that will help you to isolate what's causing it. And it tells you different speeds to try and different things to try and all that. And I believe you read that article, you'll probably figure it out enough to where you can at least know where to go to get it fixed. Okay. Do you think it, I mean, plenty of question, mm-hmm. could it possibly be a brake caliper kind of? It can. 
starting to lock up? It can. That will do that. And what you could do is when, again, when it's doing it, just lightly touch the brake and see if it affects it. Because if you touch the brake and it gets severely worse or it gets a whole lot better, then you know you're in the right area anyway. Okay. I, I kind of think it is because sometimes I smell my pads when it does it. Well, yeah. I smell those pads. Absolutely. Yeah, if a brake pad hangs up, it's going to start to wobble pretty bad because that one wheel's trying to stop, the rest of the car's trying to move. Yeah. So, yeah, that can give you a pretty significant shake as well. All right, guys. We'll take care. All right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we're going to take one last quick little break. Greg, hold on. You'll be straight up after the break. Mike, how are you and things at the dealership's maintenance department? Dave, things are great. You guys still running that low-priced $24.99 oil change at your place? Oh, yeah. Folks come in and we just happen to find a ton of other stuff wrong with their car. <laughs> Works, don't it? Sometimes when it's a woman, I make something up like... Your flux capacitor has a leak. Yeah, or your strepanoid filter head needs to be replaced. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I gotta write that down. Agco Automotive wants to let you know how to stick it to the low price oil change shops. Go get the oil change and then take your vehicle and their list of recommended repairs to Agco for an honest opinion of what, if anything, needs to be fixed. And we'll fix only that. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have, why don't you go and give us a call? And we got Greg online. Good morning, Greg. Yes, sir. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have a gasoline question. Okay. Some of the stations advertise gas free of alcohol. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. I thought that all gas was being made with the alcohol in it. No, sir. It's not actually a law or anything like that. But what they do is that they get in kind of a tax break to add the ethanol because I don't think they're paying the same excise tax on the alcohol as they pay on petroleum. So if 10% of their fuel does not have as much excise tax, they make more money on I think that's how they're getting it done. But that being said, there's no law in Louisiana saying you have to have ethanol in the fuel. It's just more or less being heavily encouraged to for them to put it in there. Most of your big companies have already gone to it. Yeah, and what I have found is that most of the companies that sell the gas without ethanol are usually small little stations, and they, a lot of them are no-name brands. I would probably rather have an ethanol, a 10% ethanol from a major station, name brand that moves a lot of fuel than I would that, just because I'm not sure how clean that fuel is. I just don't know where it's coming from. So what kind of car do you have, Greg? Well, I wasn't concerned so much about my cars. Mm -hmm. uh, I was concerned more about my yes. speed eaters and small motors. Yes, right. sir. Yeah. Well, right. you know what you may do is if you can get a clear plastic container or at least translucent plastic container and go and get some of the fuel and let it just sit maybe for a day and look and see if there's any settlement in the bottom of it or anything like that. If it's pretty clean, I think you'd be okay. Another thing you could do is get some sort of a filter, to you know, a funnel with a filter in it to use to put into your mowers and stuff. I don't think it's going to be a big problem on your small motors. I just don't know that I want to run in my car. Good deal. I appreciate your help. Thank All right, you, Greg. Sir. All right, sir. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 
499-9526 number, and we got a little bit of time left today, and this is our last live show of the year, so that's it. Got a question? This is the time to call. You got about five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> at least five, and, and be glad to try to get you sure answered sure. up. And should you happen to think of something after we go off the air today or next week while we're all on vacation, you can mm-hmm. always go to our website and hit the contact bar and get your questions answered that way. That's right. Just go ahead and send me an email, and you've got to cut me a little bit of slack. I probably won't get an answer back to you quite as quick as I do during the week because I will be on vacation after all. But. Right. I generally sit down at least once a day and try to answer all my emails, so, so. I'll get an answer back to you. That's for sure. We're going back to the phone lines with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Again, this is the same old Herb. Yes, sir. Look, I fool with these small engines a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And that fine, that ethanol, I got one right now in here. Generator, it's done Mm -hmm. dissolve the rubber in the fuel shutoff. It'll sure do it. Uh Fuel, Mm -hmm. and then it's bowl gasket, and the gas is leaking out. Yeah, it'll sure do it on the small motors, especially when they sit a lot. It's something you don't use every day. This gas, he said, well, it's only three months old, but it had a funky smell to it. Yeah, and you know, I did an article on ethanol, Herb, and they say, the manufacturers say three months is the outside absolute life of it. It, You go through phase separation in three months. not designed I, to... I mixed up some two-cycle pure gas mm-hmm. in February of last year, mm-hmm. and I didn't use it all up till April of this year, and it still cranked and run just yeah. as good. Had a whole lot longer shelf life. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So I just wanted to tell you that. Well, I appreciate well, thank it. You. Thank you. Right. Bye. I think we can sneak one last little call in here. We got PJ online. Good morning, PJ. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Look, I got an '07 Chevy work mm-hmm. truck that I okay. took a, a local place. Here lately, when you step on the brakes, it wants to throw you through the windshield. Okay. I took it to them, and they said they had nothing wrong with it, plenty of brake pads left. Any ideas? Well, may have plenty of brake pads left, but it doesn't mean nothing's wrong with it. Normally, if, it's kind of like the brakes are locking up on you, more or less. Yeah, when you go to slow down, mm-hmm. uh, they'll grab real hard. A number of things can cause that, PJ. First off, you need to determine is the front brakes grabbing or the rear brakes. Does it have drums on the rear? You know, I'm not sure. Probably does. They had actually a problem with the rear adjusters on some of those. And they came out with a new rear adjuster that has less teeth in it. They used to over-adjust, which can huh. put those rear brakes real tight, which will make them do that. That would be one okay. thing you could check. Another thing is if any kind of fluid is leaking on the cylinders, getting on the shoes, it'll make them lock up. That's if the okay. rear is locking up. Now, uh-huh. most all the time, if the fronts are locking up, it's going to be one of a couple of different things. Number one, if one of the caliper slide sticks, then the brakes are not going to apply evenly, and they will do that. Number two, if the rear brakes are not working properly, then the front's doing all the stopping, and they're going to start locking up like that. Yeah. Well, they must have not just been want to fool with it because I told them what it was doing. Yeah, well, some people just don't think that far through. You know, they look and say, well, you got good pads. It's okay. Well, pads is one thing. It's kind of like saying, hey, your blood pressure is great, except you still died. You know? Yeah. <laughs> blood pressure ain't the only thing that kills people. You know? <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for the info, Lewis. I'm going to have to look into that a little further. Okay, PJ. Thanks, man. Right, thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. We could probably still squeeze another call in if somebody's out there and wanting a question answered. That's it. Right now is the time. That's it. Brakes are one of those things that you can't just look at them and say, well, it's got plenty of shoes and everything's okay. Correct. It's sort of like if you go to a doctor and, again, well, you don't have a temperature and your pulse rate is just fine, so there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Those things may be fine, but that doesn't mean you don't have a brain tumor. Same thing with brakes. There's, there's several factors in brakes that need to be taken account of when you're checking a set of brakes. Well, that's right. Another thing, if you have a sensor in your ABS that is not reading properly, what it can actually do is think that it's going to ABS mode and it can start pulsing those brakes. Sure. And give you a bunch of shaking. GM had a, had a problem with that on their front speed sensors back in, was it 02, 03, 04, Somewhere back I think. in there, yeah. They actually had a, the sensors would get out of adjustment, and mm-hmm. the computer thought that the wheel was locking up. Right. So even at low speed, start jerking and carrying on. And right. Crazy. Started running and everything. Just takes a little bit deeper looking into and sure than the, the average buyer. 
Hey, we want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening to us this year and all the nice calls we've got. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening also. Tell That's your right. friends and go to iTunes and Stitcher and give us a written rating. That's right. We really appreciate those written ratings because, number one, they move us up in the so more people can see us. And, number two, it just lets us know we are doing a good job. So we really appreciate those. And if you get time, go in there and let us know what you think. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.